The rest of us will be in Matthew 2. We are going to continue uh, with Christmas story, and uh, we're also going to flash back to Revelation. Okay, so uh, I want to remind us. Of, I want to read. A, I want to read all the passage right now. At least all of the main passage right now. So. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We don't do this every week, but in, in honoring the Word of God, I'd like for you to stand. They did this in the book of Ezra when they read, and you're going to, you might go, oh, I don't want to stand back up for three minutes, but they stood up for three hours. So um, careful what you ask for, right? All right, I'm going to start reading in chapter 2 of Matthew, and I'm starting in verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And, he, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because there are, they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. When he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's pray, and then we'll see it. Lord God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, publicly as well as privately, would be pleasing in your sight. May you stir our hearts to encourage us, comfort us, and strengthen us in the faith as your word of God is designed to do. And may that happen today in accordance with your will and to your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll have a seat. So on, on Christmas Eve, we talked about bad news. We talked about Joseph getting some bad news. His fiance is pregnant, and he had nothing to do with it. That's bad news, okay? Uh, and, and how he learned through the angel and through the experiences in the word of God to pivot from seeing that news that he got from a worldly point of view and seeing it from a heavenly point of view, and the news never changed. He just understood it. He got more of it. Sometimes just not getting enough of it is a problem. <laughs> he got the full story, and it was good news, and he recognized that, and it changed everything. Well, we're just continuing that story. Last, last Sunday, we looked at the wise men and how they came and visited Jesus and left Jesus and his family with lots of uh, three very valuable gifts that were going to serve them really well going forward. And today we're going to pick up that story right where that left off in verse 12, which was in having been warned in a dream not to go back to King Herod, the wise men returned to their country by another route. And then we pick it up here in verse 13. 
But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that when the, the way you and I maintain hope in the midst of bad news is that we keep our eye on the prize. We maintain hope in the midst of bad news by keeping our, hope, our eyes on the prize. And what's the prize to Joseph? We would go back and look at verse 21 and 22. The angel says to Joseph, and this is the turning point for Joseph, right? She will give birth to a son. That is, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. So in Joseph's mind, at least when he's got his wits about him, when something bad happens, he knows this isn't going to end badly because Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. And so for, his, for him and for us, the way he's maintaining hope is he's keeping his eyes on the prize that Jesus will save his people from their sins, okay? And that's not just an individual promise. That's a collective promise for all of God's people. Not only do we have a, an eternal life, but that eternal life is an abundant life, which is the only life I want eternally, okay? Abundant life, right? And that's what he promises us. So what we're going to see here in this escape to Egypt and return to Nazareth is how Joseph continues to maintain hope in the midst of news that keeps coming, bad news, hard news, mixed news, and good news. Okay? That's the outline, and that's the title. Bad news, hard news, mixed news, good news. With that, let's jump in. Verse 13. When they had gone, that is when the wise men had gone and left Mary and Joseph and Jesus, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is a recurring pattern. It happens four or five times. Joseph always gets the angel in a dream. They don't always show up in dreams. The angel says, get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. Okay, let's stop there. I want you to notice that once again, Joseph is giving us the, the textbook way to trust God. That is when God speaks, you obey promptly and you obey completely. I mean, even the words are there. The angel, the Lord through the angel says, get up. And then it says later in scripture, he got up. He says, go to Egypt and stay. And it says that he stayed until the death of Herod, until the Lord called him back. Joseph trusted the Lord, even though this was bad news. Think of the roller coaster Joseph's on, right? I'm engaged. She's pregnant. Census. No room at the end. That's not exciting, is it? Baby, born, healthy. Run for your lives. Good news, bad news, roller coaster. Ever feel like that? That feel like sometimes it's just bad news, bad news, bad news, and you go, the hits just keep on coming, don't they? But up and down, and he continues to remember, keep his hope in the fact that Jesus is the one who will save his people from their sins. And so we see the bad news. They've got to leave, and they've got to leave in the middle of the night. He doesn't wait to get up in the morning and pack and make sure they've got everything. As soon as the Lord speaks, he acts. That's so instructive for us. We tend to hear God speak, and then we argue and debate. Or we say, well, I need to throw out another fleece. Oh, come on, you've got more faith than Gideon. Come on, you can do this. All right? We have Jesus. We're on this side of the cross. He didn't have that advantage. I don't blame him. I think what he did was great. But we can trust him. But you say, well, I don't recognize his voice. I don't really know when it's him speaking. That's another problem, isn't it? And that's not on him. 
If you want to recognize his voice, you need to spend time with him so that you recognize it because you've been with him. You've been in his presence. And that happens right here between you and him daily. But that's another sermon for another time. Okay, so he says, stay here until I tell you Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. That's bad news. So he got up, took the child, his mother, during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And then we get prophecy, prophecy that is fulfilled. Now, I think we kind of roll over, at least I do. I tend to roll over and, and not take it seriously enough. This is something that was spoken of about 700, let's see, this is Hosea, 500, 600 years earlier when he says, uh, let's see, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. This is one of dozens of prophets about Jesus that are fulfilled in Scripture. Okay? And that's, you can't come out of Egypt unless you go to Egypt. How is he going to get there? Jesus lives in, you know, Israel. Well, unless King Herod's about to kill you, then you're going to leave. And I won't dally here very long, but I do want to point out that Jesus, Joseph, and Mary are political refugees in this moment. No, they're not leaving the, the, the empire of Rome, but they are leaving from one city to another because there's a king trying to kill them, to kill the son anyway. And we need to realize that when that's happening in our world, you can get caught up in the technicalities if you want, but don't miss the main thing, okay? Sometimes people are fleeing for their lives, and God says to take care of the least, the last, and the lost. He talks to his people, Carry, take care of the least, the last, and the lost. That's the vulnerable in our society. Those who cannot take care of themselves. And if you imagine going to another country, being dropped in with nothing but the clothes on your back, you don't know the language, you don't have people there that you know, you don't have a church, you don't have a job, you don't have a place to stay, and you don't even know where to start. That's a refugee. If they even get into a city. Unless sometimes it's you're outside the city in a camp with a tent. And you don't have a place. And you don't have papers. So when we say we're going to help a family, a refugee family in this church in 2022, we realize there are risks associated with that. But we also know that there's a command in Scripture that tells us, take care of the least, the last, and the lost. That's what, that's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus was. Can you imagine? We think of Jesus the king of kings, and he was also the most vulnerable. Came as an infant, and then literally had to be carried away so he wouldn't be killed by his own parents. Not killed by his own parents, but carried away by them. So he got up, took the child, okay, and then it says in verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. Remember, this is a man who was so crazy, he killed his own wives if, or, and sons when they threatened the throne. He was a king of the Jews, but he was no Jew. Edomite, son of Esau, not Jacob. He was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that had learned, they'd learned from the Magi. No wonder we don't read this during Christmas Eve, right? The room's full of kids and we talk about kids being killed. Yeah, we probably shouldn't read this one on Christmas Eve. But the Christmas story is not all stained glass. It's not all Norman Rockwell paintings, right? It is... It is messy, it is dangerous, it is hard, and that's what this is. This is hard news to swallow because God allowed this to happen, right? You try to explain that one to your kids at lunch, right? Well, couldn't God have stopped it? Yes, he could have. Did he? No. Does that mean God's not good? I'll let you answer that question at lunch. 
He's good, I promise you. And so was fulfilled what he said. He realized that he'd been outwitted. Boys in Bethlehem, it's estimated based on the population at the time that this affected about 20 families. Bethlehem was a small village, and including the outskirts, probably about 20 families lost at least one little boy that night. Two years old and under in accordance with the time that they learned from the Magi. Then another prophecy is fulfilled. This is Jeremiah. This is about five, six hundred years before as well. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now there are lots of layers here. I'm not going to get into all the layers. There's a couple I want to point out. First of all, Ramah is the area where... Um, Rachel was buried. Who's Rachel? Rachel was Joseph's wife. Who's Joseph? Joseph's the son of Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham. Okay, so this goes way back. This is, goes back to 2000 BC, okay? And Joseph and his family are traveling through the Holy Land on their way to find a place to settle, and, and Rachel dies in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin, the last of the 12 sons, which make up the 12 tribes. She is buried there. It happens to be, and so there's weeping because she was the favorite and, and, and all 12 are, well, 11 of the 12 are, are, have lost a mom or, or a stepmom or a, I don't know, like how do you define Jacob's family? It's kind of crazy, but um, this blender family, right? But there's a lot of weeping that goes on with that. But then fast forward to the exile, which is around 500 B.C. This is in the days of Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel. And King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon came and defeated Jerusalem and took the last of Israel into exile. Israel ceased to be a nation until 1948. And in that passing, what would happen is they would do what you would expect an enemy army to do. They collect the people and then they begin to divide them up. This is going to, this terrifies, right? Thinking about this. A family of, say a family of four comes up, mom, dad, um, son and daughter, and they, they say, you go this way and you go that way. And you go, and, and kids, you go that way. And parents are distraught. What, that's the last thing you want to happen when you have nothing left but your family. is for pe- someone with authority and not on your side to split your family. And you think, I may never see them again. That weeping was occurring because that site was very, very close to Ramah where that was happening. On their way west, east to Babylon east to Babylon, okay, weeping. And so Matthew makes this connection as a good, uh, as a a good knowledge of the, of the Bible and the Old Testament scriptures. He's pulling this all together for us and led by the Holy Spirit to do that. So we see bad news. We see some hard news. Now we're going to get some mixed news here. In 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to a dr- in a dream to Joseph, there's another one, in Egypt, and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. Now, I don't know how long they were there. We don't know. We know that, that Jesus was not an infant when they traveled. He is probably several months old, maybe a year, give or take. They traveled to Egypt, and then they were there for a while. They had the frankincense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh to finance the trip and get them through until they could get some work. And he probably found a Jewish enclave in Egypt. He probably, you know, found a way to find work there as a carpenter or as a contractor. He could find work. But, and they probably got settled in there pretty good. 
And now God is sending them back. You know, we assume that they wanted to come back. We don't really know whether they wanted to come back. All I know is that whenever a family moves somewhere and gets settled in, it's always hard to uproot and move. Okay? If you're a military family, you might be better at it, but you're not necessarily looking forward to it unless you really don't like where you are or unless you're going to end up back home close to family. Now, that is the case for them, and so I could see where that would be a positive. Verse 21 says, So he got up, obedience is prompt again, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. Prompt and complete obedience. Joseph is consistent if he's nothing else. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And I would be too, because I imagine he's not going to be any better than his daddy. Having been warned in a dream, here we go again, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Now, if you're looking at my map here, you got Judea down here, Galilee's up here. So it's north of all of Bethlehem and, and uh, Jerusalem and, and Jericho. It's north of there in a region called Galilee, which is where he went and lived in a town called Nazareth, okay? So Nazareth is like, go to the end of this road. When the road runs out, turn left, and when you think you're in the middle of nowhere, that's Nazareth, okay? It's like nowhereville and nobody wants to be there kind of place. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets... It's vague because we're not given, he, Matthew might not have known, he just had heard, because we have no reference in the Old Testament about this, that he would be called a Nazarene. But once again, we see the Messiah, the, the, the prophecies of the Messiah are lining up to show that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Okay? And that's why um, whenever I, I talk to uh, someone who is Jewish that takes the, ser- the, the scriptures seriously, which is um, not easy to find, um, I just say, well, just look at the prophecies of your own book. Go to your Hebrew Bible. Look at the prophecies and see how they are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And you will find that he is the Messiah you've been awaiting. And you missed him, the, but it's not too late to, to catch him. So we've seen some bad news, some hard news, some mixed news. And now let's see some good news. Let's go to Revelation 12. Now, This is going to sound horrible, but it ends well, so work with me here, all right? It's the book of Revelation. There's all kinds of symbolism, and if I just tell you what the symbol means, that robs it of its power, but it does, these symbols do mean things, and I think it'll be pretty clear to you. I don't think I'll have to explain the big pieces. There'll be some nuance I will just skip right over this time, but I want to read these five or six verses to you out of the beginning of chapter 12, because it ends with good news, okay? And I think we could all use some good news. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. And she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head on its heads its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth the dragon stood in front of the woman who's about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born she gave birth to a son a male child who will quote rule all nations with an iron scepter quoting psalm 2 9 which is a messianic psalm 
and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days, which is three and a half years. And of course, we know, if you remember our talking through in the series through Revelation, that the Great Tribulation is about seven years, whether literal or figurative, does not matter to me. Half of that, halfway through, they flash back to this. But for whatever reason, this woman representing Mary, representing Israel, and representing all people, all of God's people, before and after the cross. Three, layer, three layers. There's just so much here. All of this is good news and that God delivers. Now, here's how I saw it, and this is how I'll end it. We see the woman deliver a child, which means that Jesus is also vulnerable to the dragon that is awaiting. But we see him delivered from the dragon. Delivered twice so that he might deliver us. And then he might lead us to help deliver others. He rescues us. He saves us. He delivers us. However you want to say it. Second, uh, second Exodus, the new Exodus, if you will. All of these things, all these layers, all through Scripture, all point to this Jesus who came to save his people from their sins. That's what Joseph kept his eyes on. And that's why he was able to maintain hope in the bad news and the hard news and the mixed news and kept him focused on the good news. I don't know what kind of news you've gotten recently. I don't know what kind of news you're going to get today, later on. But there's an answer to how you can respond. And it's to have a hope based on the truth to keep, keep your eyes on the prize that Jesus saves his people from their sins. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that that's true. But sometimes it's hard to believe. And so Lord, we ask where our faith is shallow, where our faith is weak, that you would increase it. But at the same time, Lord, help us to realize that faith the size of a mustard seed, which is really, really small, is all it takes when it's placed in an infinite God. And I pray that you would open our hearts to the reality, that you would help us humble our hearts towards the one who makes that hope possible through his son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it is my prayer that we would not attempt to live through 2022 apart from you. That we would truly believe there is hope to be had in the Christ child. And that we would walk hand in hand with him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.